Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Today we continue our series titled The Journey with a message titled Spiritual Gifts. Listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. So for weeks and weeks and weeks, we've been talking about the journey. Amen. That's the series we've been on. We've been talking about the journey, the journey. And as we've been also fasting for our 40 days, this discussion about the journey is really important because our fasting has really been about fasting for our oikos or who are the people who God has supernaturally placed in our lives. And so as we are fasting for those individuals and praying for those individuals and, and, and just uh, making ourselves available, we think that, that God has been using this to help us understand the journey that our life is on. And so we read in, in uh, 3 John chapter, excuse me, 3 John verse 2 that, that John said to the church, he said, Beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And when we looked up the word prosper, we found out that that prosper, word prosper means to be equipped for a journey. Amen? So, so prosperity means nothing if it doesn't equip you for where you have to go. Amen? Some years ago, I was, um, uh, many of us, we, we, we saw a story about some miners in Venezuela. And these miners got trapped underground. And they were all underground to work for what? Money, right? So money is why they got up and went to work every day, because they needed money, right? But after 15 days down there, you couldn't use a, 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 a Venezuelan peso down there. <laughs> your peso was 15 days underground. Your peso meant nothing. Amen. So all of a sudden, there was a new value system placed on everybody where a can of tuna would have been worth everything you had. Amen. <laughs> value is based on the environment that we live in. And you draw value based on where you are. Amen. So you take your American dollars to Russia and you say, I want to spend this dollar. They say, no, you're not. You're going to have to go to the exchange and get something that's worth something here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So your journey and prosperity is only as quality as the environment that you're in. And there are certain things that you need to understand when you live your life that really what the real measure of prosperity is in God's kingdom as opposed to the world system. Amen. So we said that there are five things that mark prosperity in the kingdom of God. The first is what? Thank you. Relationships with God. Your, 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 your experience and your relationship with your creator through Christ Jesus is the very first element of your prosperity. Because in that one thing, that covenant relationship that you have with Jesus, that one thing opens the door to all other things in God. So know that you are not an enemy against your creator. To know that you are not despised by your creator. To know that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made the way you were made. Amen. So when I was born, 
as my time has grown growing up, there are certain things I notice about myself that I don't like. Amen. Amen. I look in the mirror and I say, I don't, I don't quite like that. And I'll do what I can to camouflage that, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't make me, don't give me a complex. All right, I'm already talking about my flaws. Don't give me a complex and make me feel like I'm the only one. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And we do things to camouflage things we don't like. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Why do we do that? We do that because humanity, the first fall of man, the first thing out of Adam's mouth, the first thing behavior that man, Adam manifested was the fear and hiding himself because he became self-aware. And when he became self-aware, he realized he wasn't perfect. So his first thing that happened was fear came upon him and he began to hide himself. And the scripture tells us that he and Eve made themselves coverings to hide themselves. So the very first issue with humanity is we have an issue with who we really are and whether or not people know who we are. And we do a lot of things and we go a long way to make sure people sometimes don't know who we really are. We hide things and we don't share things. We don't do things. We, we put ourselves in safe places. We do those things because there is an innate part of humanity that does not want others to know what's behind the veil. Amen. So when I have a covenant with God, what happens is God says, I open the veil all the way. I see you for who you are and I accept you. <laughs> Amen. If you don't know anything about Christianity, that's what you ought to know. You ought to know that God accepts you as you are because he knows who you are. And not only does he do that, he gives you a covering that covers you called Christ. <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I see you and I still like you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I had somebody who I was praying for, and we got somewhat transparent in the conversation, and they said, you know what, I was scared to tell you this because I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint you. And I said, you don't disappoint me. I'm not disappointed because I, I know who you are already. <laughs> Amen. I know who I am, so I know who you are. <laughs> so I'm not disappointed when people have flaws, or I'm disappointed when people fall. I'm not disappointed when people don't do what they want to do or do what they said they were going to do. I'm not disappointed with that. You know why? Because I already know. But I encourage all of us to continue to grow in the things of God so that we have less and less of those things. Amen. Amen. Not by your perfection, but by your transparency. Because what you can name, you can overcome. What you can name, you get authority over. That's what God did with Adam. He's brought all the animals and said, you name them. Why? Because you should have authority over them. So if the doctor names something and gives it to you, you're a victim to what he said. If you name it, <laughs> then you can have authority over it. Amen. I'm going to call it this. So that's why no matter what doctors tell me, I put a name on it so I can work with it, so I can give it characteristics and I can, I can battle it because I have to deal with what labels are already out in the atmosphere, whether or not I can handle them. But my covenant with God says God is over all and I give you the power to name things so you can take authority over them. 
That's part of my covenant with Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I'm not going to reteach that. Amen. (laughs) Number two is your oikos, the people around you. So the first element of prosperity in the kingdom is your covenant with God. Your second element of prosperity in the kingdom is the relationships that you have. Because there's an inheritance in the saints. Amen. Amen. So the people around you hold treasure. The people around you hold a certain value that can't be gotten anywhere else except from them. Amen. And today we're going to talk about the third level, which is gifts. And so last week we started talking about the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. And we talk about gifts, we're talking about gifting from God, which is God's supernatural gifting of us for purpose and destiny. In other words, you have gifts in order to bring about your purpose and to bring about your destiny. And you have a destiny with God. Amen. Now, when we say destiny, we think about trumpets playing and some giant thing happening, but most of the time your destiny is just taking one step and another. Amen. Amen. We sometimes we want to make it so, 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 so amazing that my destiny is an amazing thing. My destiny is, you know, I'm trying to get my destiny. You know what? I know a person who was so busy trying to chase their destiny, they was missing their destiny. They were destiny chasing. They were running over here, running over there, running all these places, doing all these things. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where they are. They're over here. They're over there. It wasn't anybody part of this church, but it was just somebody I knew. And they just, oh, they're always bouncing around looking for their destiny. And in the meantime, I'm living mine every day. Not because I'm special, but because I realize my destiny has nothing to do with what's out there. My destiny has to do with what I do right here. What I do in front of me is where my destiny is. One of my mentors told me, he said, a life of greatness is made from daily obedience. (laughs) Amen. You want to be great with God? Obey God today. (laughs) Amen. It's pretty much that simple. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, to, well, let me finish this. Last week, we talked about Romans 12, and let's, let's bring it up on the screen. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? A living sacrifice. I heard this man, he was a missionary, he came and spoke at our church one time, and he said, he said, the problem with a living sacrifice is that every time you lift the knife, it gets off the table. (laughs) You think about it, yeah. Problem with a living sacrifice is every time it's time to make the sacrifice, the living sacrifice wants to get off the table and not be a sacrifice. Amen? (laughs) Pick somebody else today, please. (laughs) But he says here, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Your reasonable service is the least we can do. Amen? And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. And we talked about conformity means that 
the, it, the, the visual of a glove and that a glove conforms to the hand that's put over. It takes that shape. It holds that shape. But tr- being transformed means that you allow yourself to be changed from whatever you are to something new. And transformation requires that we are subject to change. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I love change. change. Yes, you do. Amen. (laughs) Not a trick question. I'm just getting you to make a confession. Amen. You renew your mind so that you can prove the good, perfect, and accept, excuse me, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We're after the perfect will of God. And we talked about last week, in order to get the perfect will of God, one of the things that we have to do is allow ourselves to understand gifts. Because your gifts, among all things, are the things that help you move into the perfect will of God. Amen. Turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, in Romans, we read a series of gifts last week, and it said that having then differing gifts, you should use them, right? Tell your neighbor, say, I'm supposed to use what I have. Amen. I'm not supposed to use what I don't have. Amen. Let that take some pressure off of you. Amen. Somebody's trying to live up to somebody else, and you can't. Amen? You can't live up to somebody else. And guess what? Here's the other thing. Don't live down to somebody else. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. I I recognized one day I was was in coast mode because some people around me was coasting, and so I was coasting too. And I got mad at myself because I'm wasting time coasting. I ain't got time to be coasting, amen? Come on, that's for downhill, man. I'm not going downhill. <laughs> you coast when you're going down. I'm trying to go up. <laughs> amen. Think about that one for a minute. Amen. If you're coasting, it means you're signing off on going down. <laughs> amen. I had a dream, and I was running in the dream. Running, running, running. I was on a circular track, and I was running around the track. Running, 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 running. It was taking, this dream was going on and on. I kept on running. I said, man, this is a long dream. <laughs> and the dream just kept on going. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running. And finally, I said, man, I'm getting tired. And as soon as I said, I've been running around this track over and over and over again. As soon as I said, I'm getting tired, a bench appeared. I said, wow. I said, I'm going to sit down. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord said, don't sit down. So I kept on running. I ran past the bench. I ran all the way around, came back another time. I said, man, I'm tired. I, I sure would like to sit down. The Lord said, don't sit down. And so, okay, I'm not going to sit down. I hear, I hear what the Lord said. Now I'm running. I'll go around again, come around a third time. I said, Lord, I'm just going to sit down because I'm going to get right back up. I just got to sit down for a minute. And I'm dreaming, right? So I, in the dream, I sit down, and as soon as I hit the bench, as soon as I make contact, the flat track I've been running on all this time started turning into a mountain in front of me. And I jumped up and I started trying to run. And then in my dream, I could feel what you feel when you sit down and you get up and try to run. My legs start tightening up and my body's like, oh, oh no, I know. And then I woke up and I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to stop. 
Okay, I understand that message. I don't, I don't need an interpreter. I don't need, I don't need a book of dreams. I don't need nothing. I, I know what this means. Don't stop. <laughs> Amen. So I don't stop. Amen. I won't stop. Amen. Why? Because you need to understand you've been gifted for a purpose. We have 10 guiding principles of this church, and God, principle number six is every person, we believe every person has been created with a purpose, and you're anointed to make an impact in the world you live in. Everybody, everybody has got a purpose and we are all anointed, which means you're empowered by God to make a difference in the world that you live in. Amen? So don't stop whatever it is God gives you to do. Even if you're tired, do not stop. Make, make adjustments. Take Sabbath. Build rest into your programming. But don't stop when God tells you to do something. Amen? Now, let's get into this. I want you to listen closely. There are two kinds of gifts in our life. One is your natural gifts. The natural gifts are the gifts that you are born with and you genetically have received. Amen? And those gifts are according to your genetic code and you have all things that are available to humanity, whether you believe that or not. Because you cannot escape the fact that genetically we all stem from one person, which means we all have put genetic potential to do something that everybody else can do. Amen? Now, your genetics may favor certain things which make things easier for you than they make for me. But it doesn't mean I can't do it. Amen? It means that you have more favorable circumstances to do certain things with. Amen? Now, I'm gifted to get cans off of high shelves. I'm genetically gifted to do that. Amen? I'm genetically gifted. And guess what? And my brother, my brother can reach almost as high as I can because he has the same genetic gift. My baby sister, she has the same gift. Genetic gift, tall enough to reach high cans in a single grasp. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but that's an ability or a gift that you're given. Now, in the same thing, I am genetically also not as gifted to find food that's in the lowest area of the refrigerator. <laughs> Amen. Come here, Susan, come here. She <laughs> is genetically gifted to find those things in another place. Very gifted. Amen. Very gifted. Thank you so much. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, you don't think of those as gifts, do you? If somebody said, are you gifted? You say, I don't. See, so you don't think of those as gifts, but they are gifts. They are gifts because they are things unique to you that you have that other people don't have. But we think of gifts only as, can you sing? Can you do great math problems? Are you, can you do this? Can you design things? We think of these extravagant, over-the-edge gifts. But let me tell you something. All those gifts are is that they are assembly of a series of gifts to do a purpose. Amen. Amen. They're an assembly 
of a whole series of gifts that allow someone to do something. An engineer does not have an engineer gift. They have a series of things that make them good engineers. They have a math aptitude and they have a a good eye for design and they have maybe a a logic that goes to them and they have some other things that all assembled together look like an output. But they have many gifts. And you have many gifts. And if you ever think to yourself, I'm not gifted, call me. (laughs) And I will talk you out of that lunacy. Every human being is gifted. Every human being comes into this world totally gifted. The question is, in the course of our life, do we learn how to assemble our gifts to do things? In other words, you're gifted for a purpose. The purpose becomes the thing that you are here to solve or to accomplish. And when you recognize that you are uniquely gifted for certain things, you start to look at problems and recognize, I need to think about what do I have? that will help me solve this problem. Amen. Because we are never in situations in which God has not equipped us to be in. Amen. Now, a man that I I know, he was uh, sharing some pictures with me. He was out with his sons, and they went ice camping. And so he showed me the picture that they had dug. They went out in the snow, and they had dug out in the snow, and they had a little tarp over the top, and they had all their stuff inside. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's nice man that's good good quality time with your family uh don't invite me <laughs> don't waste the invite because i don't like cold now when he told me how they did it i realized i could do that i could do that i don't want to do it but i could do it amen why because i recognize what I'm telling you. Your gifts are an assembly of abilities that you have. And when you put those natural gifts together, there is nothing that you cannot do. How did humanity get to the moon? They assembled gifts and they brought those gifts together for a purpose. And the book of Genesis, we're told that the people came together, they're one heart, one mind, and they said, we're going to build a tower up to heaven. And God himself comes down and says, look, at, they're of one mind and one thought. Look at what they've begun to do. From this point forward, nothing that they do will be withheld from them, which is why we can go to moon, which is why we're going to go to Mars, which we're going to get up there and we're going to find out we're going to do something on Mars. And then we're going to say that ain't far enough. And we're going to be unsatisfied with going to Mars. And then we got to go fat past Mars. We're going to have to go everywhere until God comes back. We're going to keep stretching to find something else. Amen. Now, why does that make a difference to you? It makes a difference to you because the second kind of gift is called a spiritual gift. And you have been not only given natural gifts, which you should always be confident in the fact that you have natural gifts, but in addition to natural gifts, the Christian has spiritual gifts which are given to them. And you have the ability to not only use your natural gifts, but allow your natural gifts to be impacted by your spiritual gifts and do things in a supernatural way. Amen. Amen. You can take normal things that people do and you can add a spiritual gift to them and take it to a whole nother level. Amen. 
Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be what? I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, I want you to understand. Excuse me. I want you to understand. You know that you were Gentiles. In other words, you were people who did not have a covenant with God. Carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. In other words, when we don't know God, we look for idols. I mean, no matter where you go on the globe, when you find any people anywhere that have not been touched by anything else, I guarantee you they're worshiping something. It's an innate part of humanity to worship. Why? Because we're created. And so there's a desire to worship. Just like every child is born with a, with a desire for acceptance from their parents. Why? Because they're creator. So we desire acceptance from those who are parents. And so the human being has a desire for worship. And when we don't worship God, we find something else to worship. Amen? But he says, I don't want you to be, to, to not understand, I, want you, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Okay? You know that you were already carried away with idols. However you were led. In other words, lots of different things, lots of different ways. But I don't want you to do that. Verse 3, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you come to Christ, there's a certain openness in your heart to call Jesus Lord. I'm not talking about the words, Jesus is Lord. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the attitude of the heart that Jesus is Lord. And in the same way, when, we, when, we're, when, we're, when we're in Christ, we, we don't find the same resource to condemn God. Amen? Verse 4. Now there are diversities of what? Gifts, but what? The same Spirit. There are what? Differences of ministries, but what? But the same Lord. There are then what? Diversities of activities, but the what? Same God who works all in all. So spiritual gifts then are divided into four things. Let's read the last part. The last part says, um, uh, verse uh, 7, says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So there's four things listed here. The first thing is there are differences of gifts. There are diversity. There's different kinds of gifts. There are all kinds of gifts. And so like I mentioned before, you've got natural gifts and you've got spiritual gifts. We went over seven spiritual gifts last week. Won't go back into that, but there's seven there. And then there are more that you'll find in Scripture as you look around. So there are differences or a variety of gifts. But the second level is then there are also differences of ministries or ministries is also the word serve. So there's different gifts but then there's also different ways that we use our gifts to serve. Amen. If you think about 
how your gifts serve. This is talking more so about the environments. In other words, there's a whole lot of gifts. And let's take, for example, the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership looks different in different environments, which is where you serve. Amen. So you have the gift of leadership. You might serve in leadership in your house. Amen. You might be the one who's calling the shots in the house. Amen. You might be the one who's serving everyone else in the house. Amen. Because why? That is a way of operating in that gift. That's a way of flowing and moving in that gift. You might be a leader in your workplace. You might be a leader in a community. You might be a leader as a coach. You might be a leader in any kind of different ways, but that same gift then has multiple environments in which it can be manifested. Amen? Now, this ball was given to me at Bible study Wednesday night. So a friend of mine gave me this ball. It's NBA playoff time, so I thought it was appropriate to bring it in. Amen. So this ball was brought to me, and he said, I want to give you this. And he, he, he lightweight. He didn't give me, it wasn't a challenge, but it was, he lightweight basically was saying, hopefully you remember how to use it. <laughs> Amen. So the game of basketball utilizes a series of gifts, right? Series of gifts. So you say somebody's a gifted basketball player because they can do what? They can what? They can shoot. They can jump. They can dunk. They can run. They can rebound. Set up a play. Follow direction. Encourage teammates. Ah, so we're getting to some gifts. Now, I told you when we started that I'm genetically gifted to what? Reach and get a can off of high shelves in a single grab, right? That same extension allows me to dunk a basketball. So I have a gift that can be utilized in a totally different way. The same gift can be used in another environment. And so all of a sudden, what it seems like a common thing, big deal, you can get a can off a shelf. And all of a sudden, somebody who has the same gift is making $35 million a year. <laughs> I'm using this gift in the wrong environment. <laughs> no, I'm using it in the right place. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, following directions. Coach sets a play. I played with a guy, and <laughs> coach would set up a play, and no matter what the play was, he gets the ball, he's shooting. <laughs> And when the coach said, what were you doing? He said, I was open, coach. <laughs> don't, don't be saying names, man. <laughs> 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 
Man, he was right though. <laughs> Ooh, man, this, hey, this guy, I'm gonna get back to this message, but it's important to know. This guy, yeah, we were, he was sitting on the bench in college. He was sitting on the bench, the coach wouldn't play him. Three people got hurt, coach had to put him in the game. Got in the game, scored 25 points in a quarter. <laughs> yep. And if he thought that was a fluke, he went to another school. They set him on the bench, same thing. He scored 30 points in the quarter at that, at that school. Amen. He was open. <laughs> Amen. All right. All right. Having differing gifts, we have diversities of gifts and diversities of service or ministry. So you need to know that you're gifted, but you also need to know that you have to have a place to sow your gift. So the word says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. In other words, you have to have, you may be gifted, but if you don't have anywhere to place your gift or to pour your gift or to sow your gift, then nobody ever gets the benefit of receiving your gift. Amen? It's like I met somebody, the guy was not working, and I was talking to him. He's all kind of depressed. He feel like, man, I can't do anything. I said, no, no. I said, this is what you need to do. I said, you need to volunteer or you need to do anything you can to get into an environment to use your gifts. When you start using your gifts, your gifts will start making space for you. Amen. Amen. How do I know that? That's what happened to me. I was working in human resources. I was working as a recruiter. I was placing hard to place individuals. I was doing a great job. I placed like 10 people in a week one day. I was on fire placing people. Man, I'm placing hard to place people too. And then one day my company dried up and they said, they, they, they laid off everybody but the CEO, her secretary, and me. We were the last three standing. And I was driving all around covering all the offices that we had. I was driving like a 150, 150 mile circle a day, driving all these sites, trying to cover everything. And so finally I'm like, man, okay, when am I get my check? She can't give you a check this week. Got to give you a check in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks? Are you serious? I wanted that check today. Are you? I can't wait another cycle. No. So I just kept on going. And now I'm borrowing money to get to work. Are you kidding? Wait a minute. Something's wrong here. <laughs> Man, this was a bad situation. And I finally, I had to quit. And so when I quit, I said, okay, man, Lord, I started looking for a job. I'm a recruiter. I can find me a job and find a job quick. So six months went by, recruiters still haven't found a job. <laughs> now, and this is not only bad, this is embarrassing now. <laughs> I said, oh, man. So I decided, praying one day, and the Lord said, I want you to go to the church, and this is what I want you to do. So I went to the church, and I started just sewing into the church. I go to the church, put my little time in, volunteering. Next thing, once I started doing that, all of a sudden God started doing something to me because he started revealing other gifts. Because my service was opening my eyes to a whole nother range of things that I had in me that I never had a demand placed on them. And all of a sudden this demand was opening me up to a whole new range of possibilities. And now by finding an environment to sow, even when I didn't know what I was going to sow, all of a sudden God revealed something to me and next thing I knew, my life took off. 
My life took off in a whole nother direction and God started doing stuff that I didn't even realize he could do or even was a possibility of being done. And God started working through me and, and blessing my life. Why, again, am I telling you that? Because you need to understand it's not just about having gifts. There has to be an environment for you to sow your gifts. And then verse 6 says that there is diversity of activities. So we have gifts, then we have the environment, and then we have the activities that we do. In other words, those become the discrete, discrete actions that you do day to day to release your gifts into the environment. Amen. And so you have to be cognizant of the fact that you have gifts that need a place to be sown and they need you to take action to actually move and let those gifts be released. And when those gifts are released, they bless other people and they also bless your life as well. Amen. So if you have a dream, your dream doesn't work unless your dream has actions. Amen. And what are your actions? Their actions have to do with your gifts. Amen. Dr. King had a dream. I have a dream. And he spoke this whole dream. Amen. But what, the reason why we celebrate the dream is because the dream had actions attached to it. Amen. Many people have had the same kind of dream before, but didn't know what to do or hadn't found a place in order to do it. And because they never could get to that place, you know his name, but not theirs, even though they saw the same thing. Amen. Come on. You have gifts and talents and you have vision. You have things in your heart and your mind that you see and you know, man, I could do this or this should be done or whatever the case may be. But unless you recognize that you are gifted for the purpose and the purpose is usually attached to what you can see. If you don't start taking the steps and finding an environment to start sowing your gifts, your dream will go on coast mode. And like we said, what does coasting mean? You're going down. Amen. How many of you got dreams in your hearts and minds? Amen. Those of you that don't t uh, look at the person who does. Amen. <laughs> Verse seven. But here's the fourth piece. Number one, gifts. Number two, ministries or service number three activities number four but verse seven but in other words you got all those three things but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the benefit or the profit of all. What you find out in scripture is that whenever Paul or another writer talks about spiritual gifts, they are always, 100% of the time, they are connected to the body and not individual. Every time he talks about gifts, it's never you're gifted for your benefit. It always talks about you're gifted for the benefit of others. Amen. That's when people, somebody asked me, said, oh, what's your spiritual gift? I never really tell them. Because I know what they're asking me is they're trying to put a label to say this is what you do. And I do whatever I need to do. Amen. Amen. Yesterday I had to be an electrician. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I was running wires and doing, doing my thing. Why? Because I can do that. 
Amen? <laughs> Today, I'm standing here, teaching, preaching, whatever, you, whatever label you want to put up. That's what I'm doing. Amen? Amen. Tomorrow, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be an HR manager. And then when I come home, I'm going to be a husband. Amen. And then I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to call my kids. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a brother. I'm going to call my brother. Hey, man, what's going on? Call my sister. Hey, I'm going to be a brother. I'm going to be whatever I need to be whenever I need to be it. Amen? Amen. And I praise God that God is going to bless me to do whatever I need to do whenever I need to do it. Amen? I'm not going to be at a deficit at any point, at any time, and whatever I got to do. Why? Because God is saying there's diversity of gifts, diversity of service, diversity of activities, but the Spirit also will add whatever's lacking. <laughs> Amen. Whatever's lacking, the Spirit will add. <laughs> Amen. So that's why I don't care what I can't do. <laughs> because I'll figure it out or God will show me how. Amen. I will figure it out or God will show me how. I've been a plumber before. <laughs> Amen. I've been a roofer. <laughs> Amen. I've been a gardener. <laughs> I've been everything. I've been whatever need to be done. And guess what? If you, you think it's just me, she's been more things than me. <laughs> Amen. It ain't just me. <laughs> Hey, I, I, hey I, will, I will prophesy, I will sing, I will do whatever I need to do. If nobody's here to play the keyboard, I'll drop them four little, four little chords I got. And then I'll change them up and go, mm, 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 mm. hey, <laughs> I'll do whatever, whatever. And guess what? This is what you need to know about yourself. Nat people who understand natural gifts will tell you this. Anybody can accomplish mastery of anything if they have two things, time and the right teacher. If you have time and the right teacher, you can master anything. Amen. I didn't know anything about high jumping. My coach told me, he said, you're going to do the high jump. I said, I don't want to do the high jump. He said, you're going to do the high jump. Matter of fact, you're going to do the high jump and the hurdles. I said, oh, I really don't want to do the hurdles. He said, but you're going to do the high jump and the hurdles. <laughs> and I was only running track because I was playing football. And he made us run track for conditioning for football. Amen. <laughs> so I didn't want to do that. But guess what? I did it. And then we were out there, we were starting to get kind of good. We got a little technique on, on, on high jump. We was getting a little technique, and we had to bar like five foot two. And we was all just jumping over, jumping over, jumping over. And so the coach was way on the end of the field, and he saw us, and he came running all the way down the field. What are you doing? And he lifted the bar up higher. He said, if you don't challenge yourself, you're not going to do nothing. <laughs> Amen. If you don't challenge yourself, you're not going to do anything. And he rose the bar, and by the end of the season, two of us had made the North Coast section. We had, we had got through our league and gone to the next level. One year. We were jumping 5-2. By the end of the year, we both going 6-2, 6-3, 6-4. How do we do it? Because a challenge was put on us, and the right teacher showed us what to do. Amen. All you need is challenge and the right teacher. 
But we like to run from challenge and avoid the teacher. <laughs> Amen. You can't fully exercise your gifts or talents until a challenge is placed against you. Amen. That's why I recognize God allowed me to get into a financial crisis with, my, with the company I was working for because he needed to put me in a place of challenge in order for me to challenge myself to do something other than what I was comfortable with. And when I was challenged out of my comfort, all of a sudden doors opened for me and I had the right person to show me a couple of things. Amen. Amen. Now, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want us to understand our spiritual gifts. Our spiritual gifts have nothing to do with spooky stuff. Your spiritual gifts have nothing to do with spooky stuff. Nothing to do with it, right? It's about your gifts, the environment they're sown in, and the actions that you take. Those are what spiritual gifts are. Beyond that, then it is the Holy Spirit who comes and does work in you. So what work does he do in you? First, he empowers you. Second thing is he gives you revelation, understanding. And the third thing he does is he releases power in your life. Amen. So I'm by nature, somewhat of an encourager. And so I was talking to somebody one day, and we just, I'm just talking, I'm cracking jokes, and I'm feeling like I'm on a roll. Man, I, man, it, was, man it was funny. Man, this is just like this funny stuff. This is coming out of my mouth. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone right now. And I'm just talking, and then I said, are you pregnant? And I was, ooh, ooh, I crossed the line. <laughs> I'm talking too much. My wife told me not to talk too much. The lady's face went straight, and she walked away. I said, oh, man, I went too far. Man, went too far. Oh, man. She comes back. About an hour later, she said, how did you know I was pregnant? I said, I just looked at you, and I just knew. And she said, yes, I was. The next 30 minutes was the Holy Spirit feeding her what she needed in the moment. What happened? What happened was, I'm doing what I do by nature. I think, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not, I never try to be funny. I never think of stuff to say before I get here. I just, I come up. And if it's funny, I'm going to laugh. If it's funny, you might laugh. But I never try to be funny. I just, I just do what I do. So I'm doing what I do that day. I'm just doing that. And then all of a sudden, what happens is that the Holy Spirit is using my innate ability and he reaches out to somebody to bring them comfort in something that is a good thing, but she was scared. And then she shared with me why she was scared. And I was able to comfort her and help her. There was nothing spooky about that, except that's in scripture called the word of knowledge, that you know something that you're not supposed to know, and God just reveals it and you speak it. And there's nothing spooky about it. It was common conversation, but it flowed because why? The Holy Spirit on the inside fills the gaps because things happen as the Spirit wills. Look at the next verse here, verse, verse, uh, uh, verse 9. 
excuse me, verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through, an, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. It's not according to your will. It's according to the Spirit's will. Amen. So all you have to do is say, I know I'm gifted. I know that all my brothers and sisters around me are gifted. And I'm going to choose to use my gifts in the environments God puts me in. And I'm going to take specific actions to utilize what I have. And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to step in at his will. And I'm going to let him do his work. Amen. You never have to seek out something. Like I said, the person I was referencing, person bouncing around from place to place, trying to find their destiny, trying to find their destiny. And I don't mean this in the wrong way, but guess what? You can't find your destiny. Your destiny finds you. You cannot find your destiny. Your destiny is following you right now, and you are going to be found by it. But when it finds you, you need to be doing what God said so that God's perfect will can be done in your life. Amen. God's perfect will is done is when we're doing the things God asked us to do. Can you prophesy according to your faith? Amen. Can you just speak life, speak the future, speak blessing over people because you know God's blessing is on them? Amen. And if you're not sure about it, when you read your word, you say, man, God's blessing is on them. I will speak that to you. Amen. Can you then also, can you teach what you know? Can you find somebody somewhere that doesn't know what you know and sow what you know into them? Amen. Can you find somebody? Amen. I don't know. There you go back to not knowing whether you're gifted or not. You need to know you're gifted so you know you have something to sow. Amen. If you work and you got more than three days seniority over somebody pour something into that person please (laughs) amen all the teachers who i've trained you need to stay what thank you stay at least one chapter ahead amen stay ahead of the group because you if you stay ahead that means you have something to pour out amen Amen. Can you encourage someone? Can you see somebody who's down and bring some joy to their life? Can you encourage them? Can you build them up? Can you lift them up? Can you strengthen them? Can you say something good to them? Amen. Amen. Go buy a joke book. Find something to do. (laughs) Can you just encourage, encourage people? Can you lead? The reason my friend gave me this ball is because the way he and I met is that his son, was, uh, his son was going to school where I was coaching basketball. And it, it was a middle school basketball team. And so I treat middle school boys like grown men. <laughs> they came to practice and they was, they was goofing around. I said, line up. I said, first of all, we're going to run four laps around the school. What? What? Yeah, you're going to run four laps around the school. Go. First lap, too slow, pick it up, pick it up, 
pick it up. Last one, if y'all don't make it in three minutes, you're going to run the rest of the, rest of the practice. What? Yeah, go. <laughs> they came in. I brought them in the gym. He's like, can we get the balls? No, we're not touching the balls. Do you know there's one basketball on the court and there's 10 players? What you going to do when you don't have the ball? Amen. That means nine-tenths of our time you need to spend practicing without the ball. Because nine-tenths of the time you ain't going to have it. <gasps> yes. And so he's watching me do this. And so that's how me and him became friends, because his son was on the team. And he said, man, he didn't let them touch the ball. He's good, good, <laughs> he's good. And so we became friends, and we became part of an oikos together. But in that environment, and the reason I'm telling you this, the, in that environment, a couple of things started happening. Is that those boys were challenged. And it was a little bitty school. And they ran the table. Every team they ran into, they ran them off the floor. And they didn't run them off the floor just running athleticism. They ran, out, they ran, they ran them so bad that coaches wanted to talk to them. Opposing coaches. Because they would come down and run plays. And they would come down and they have play for everything. Every time a coach would make an adjustment, somebody would say, that's a zone. It's a two, three. 10. <laughs> oh, they went one, three, one, 20. <laughs> Every time they changed, we changed. And they couldn't, they couldn't figure out what we was doing. And so like, how did y'all know that? Because I made them challenge themselves in practice. We made them challenge themselves when nobody was looking. And we made them learn things that they felt like they didn't need to know before they needed to know it. <laughs> Amen. So that's why we learn the Bible together. We learn the Bible not when you need it. You learn the Bible before you need it. And then when you need it, it comes out of you, and the Spirit adds everything else to you. When you're in trouble, when you're challenged, and all of a sudden, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes, you do, because the Holy Spirit's going to rush in and tell you what to do in the moment. And then your natural gifts and your natural abilities will be on fire because God can use them in tandem with his Holy Spirit to get things done. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So think about a basketball. Because you might have learned something playing basketball. You might have learned something doing whatever you do. And you let God anoint that thing and it'll be used for something different later on. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to walk away with as we get ready to pray. Your job is to let God use your gifts without hindrance. You need to put, an, uh, uh, need to put a smashing blow on self-doubt. It's okay to be realistic about who you are. It's okay to, to even be able to say, you know what, I don't know this well. It's okay to have humility, and you should have humility. But you also have to have a holy boldness. When David, that we know of as King David, was not a king, he was a shepherd. And he was given charge 
to take care of his father's sheep. He was the youngest of eight brothers. And as the eighth brother, he was not the favored brother. So his father has him alone tending sheep while his brothers are all doing other things. And when it comes a time where the brothers who are strong and big and good looking and every other adjective as is listed in scripture, when they are all out as members of Israel's army, David is asked to go take food to the brothers. And when he gets out there, he finds out that they're all held hostage by one individual, a giant that we all know as Goliath. And Goliath is standing in a valley, his army behind him on a hillside on one side, Israel's army on this side, and they're all listening to him. And scripture says that for 40 days, he stood in the valley and asked them to send somebody down. He said, here I am, send somebody. 40 days. And so when David gets there to bring food, because they're supposedly fighting, <laughs> they were allegedly fighting, but they weren't fighting. They were standing there observing Goliath taunt them. David says, what, what's going on here? And his brother said, what are you up to now? Why don't you just leave the food and just go on about your business? He said, no, this is a cause. How are y'all going to let this guy stand here and talk about us who have a covenant with God? Oh, oh, this whole army, nobody's going now? This guy's down here talking about our God. <laughs> Listen, if you talk about my God, it means you don't respect me or God. <laughs> Amen. See, he's talking about our God. And then somebody he hears over here, somebody said, hey, the king said he'll give his daughter and money and no taxes to whoever fights him. <laughs> he said, what? <laughs> A wife, money, and no taxes? He said, man, I'll take that one. Let's go. So why is this little guy so bold and other people are not? He knows God and he knew something else. He understood that my gifts that I use in another arena can be used in this arena as well. And so he said, I have fought both a lion and a bear. And I will translate that into this. I will translate what I did with the lion and the bear to this giant here. And he'll be just like them. In other words, I've already done this. I, I do this all day. Are you kidding me? I can do this too. He was able to translate one gift into success in another arena. And he overcame the giant, not because of anything else besides he trusted his gift and he trusted his God to do what needed to be done. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Let's pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this group of people. Thank you for their attentiveness to the word. And we thank you, Lord, that as the word has been spoken, let any someone here, everyone here, grab a hold of this word, look at their gifts and talents, and allow their gifts to be used by God to solve problems that they see. We thank you right now for a supernatural, powerful anointing on every individual here, Lord, to know who they are and to be gifted to do what God has called them to do. We thank you, Lord, as they step further and deeper into the callings that you have for them, Lord, that you thank you that you're making them problem solvers. You're giving them abilities to do things. And we thank you, Lord, that our gifts will translate into different environments. Thank you for the diversity of gifts in the room. We thank you for people who are capable of doing all things and have favorable skills and favorable understandings to do supernatural things. We also thank you for those who don't quite know who they are or how they fit. We thank you that you're going to continue to reveal who, you, who they are and you'll do a work in their lives. So Father, we thank you and give you praise for the blessing of God on our lives. And we ask that by Jesus' name, you continue to fulfill your purpose to us. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message titled Spiritual Gifts from our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On the site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, other great things going on around Abundant Life, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Now you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.